It is expected that when you do something new, you are going to feel nervous. You're going to feel anxious. If it's something that you care about, how could you expect anything less? You're listening to the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast, the show that blends science and heart to bring you evidence-based tips and tricks for cultivating a healthy, wealthy, and meaningful life. Now, here's your host, therapist, yogi, and fellow full life balancer, Dr. Caitlin Harkis. Hi there, welcome back to Wisdom for Wellbeing. This is a mini coaching session. We are essentially diving into how we cultivate confidence. How do you build the confidence to do the things you want to do? This is an area where there is so much misconception. And I think ultimately, like you lose, the world loses by fearing failure, by expecting confidence, by expecting success. It actually holds us up. And I I say you lose, yes, the world loses, because I think one of the most important things that we can do for ourselves is to consider others in how we move forward in the world. Sometimes when we consider others, it takes the pressure off of us. Now, what do I mean by that? It's going to be a detailed explanation. So I want to just start with a common misconception that we need to be confident before we try something new. So how this could look, I'm going to share a personal story, is public speaking. Now, public speaking is a situation worse than death for some individuals. A lot of individuals report that they would rather die than engage in public speaking like it's incredibly scary and from an evolutionary perspective oh my gosh of course it makes sense we are wired to need social connection we should not be the top of the food chain we do not have sharp teeth we do not have sharp claws like we should not be here however because we work in consort with others because we work as a clan as a group we were able to find a way to navigate a pretty ferocious environment a pretty challenging environment. So part of our survival is embedded with being part of the clan, with being liked, respected, connected to other individuals. So we are literally hardwired to seek social approval. Anything that our nervous system perceives will make us vulnerable to rejection, you know, to be seen as less than. Our nervous system just goes wild and says, do not do this, do not do this, do not put us in harm's way. Now, it is unlikely that even if we did in the case of public speaking, totally stuff things up and have the entire audience somehow offside from us, that we wouldn't survive, right? You know, we would head to the grocery shop and get our food and head back to our house where we have shelter and to our various other social groups because we generally live in areas where there are many, many more individuals and opportunities for social connection within different social circles than we might've had access to in the past. However, we're still working with the same nervous system. We are still working with the same hard hard drive. Is that how we would pair it? Like in terms of a metaphor there? 
So what kind of software, I'm going with this now, what kind of software would we need to be able to manage this old hardware that we're working with? And what we need is self-compassion. We need understanding. I'm a huge believer, as you know, in education. I believe education begets motivation. It gives us the skills, the techniques that we can use to then move out into the world more effectively. And self-compassion is one of these practices, is one of these tools. So in my case, I was asked to do a public speaking um, event and I felt really, really nervous. I was pretty sure that I would say yes, to be honest, in the beginning, if I was able to organize my day in such a way that I'd be able to do that on the particular day. But there was hesitation. I'm not going to lie. There was total hesitation that was there. And my mind was like, oh no, like it's going to be really challenging. What if it doesn't go well? I'm going to have to do so much prep work to try and make it go well. And even then it may not, what could go wrong? And you better believe I knew everything that could go wrong. I also knew that my nervous system would go wild. I have been teaching yoga for for many years, like well over a decade. So standing up in front of a group of people, I have been teaching generally for even longer than that. Before that, I was teaching swimming lessons. I was teaching snowboarding. Like I, I've been a pretty, um, pretty effective teacher is the feedback I've got. I was beautifully told I was an effective teacher because once one of my, um, instructors in terms of mentors, I suppose you'd call them when I was teaching swimming lessons, informed me that people who struggle the most tend to be the the most effective teachers because they know how to teach in a way with compassion and understanding of the struggles that someone is having. So um, how beautiful (laughs) that my general struggles in various domains have supported my teaching abilities. So I, I know that I can generally teach, that I can convey information. I've had lots of feedback that I will generally be okay in these situations. And I also have won some public speaking competitions, awards for my ability to communicate scientific principles. So I've even had that feedback. And I know without a doubt that on the day of any given presentation, I will be heading off to the toilet regularly, unable to eat, feeling super nervous and probably be a bit irritable, to be honest. That's kind of like what's going on with my system. And after these events, I often feel really good if they are meaningful, if they are purposeful. So the short, (laughs) the short is that I said yes to that public speaking event. It went well, you know, I, I had a good sense afterwards, which isn't always the case. Sometimes I can beat myself up afterwards and it takes a while before I settle into the fact that it was okay. You know, that, um, it was, it was fine. It was effective. A fortnight later, I was asked to do another event. And I was able to say yes right away. Now I cannot say that I didn't experience the level of anxiety or stress around it. However, that close proximity allowed me to more confidently move into that space. Confidence comes from action and doing things regularly. So when I was asked to do that first presentation, it had been like two years since before COVID that I had been in this public speaking arena. That next time was two weeks after the first. 
such a difference. So when people are waiting for confidence to do something, like if I had been waiting for the confidence to say yes to that first event, waiting to feel really good about it, to be like, oh yeah, I can do this. I've still got it. I wouldn't have actually put myself in a situation where I could cultivate confidence. Does that make sense? Confidence comes from doing. It is expected that when you do something new, you are going to feel nervous. You're going to feel anxious. If it's something that you care about, how could you expect anything less? You know, the saying we hurt where we care. You're only going to feel anxious if you're excited, if you are engaging in a meaningful activity. If you go to run a 10 kilometer race and you care like zero zilch about the outcome of that race, you're not going to have any nerves when you rock up in the morning. You'll just rock up and do your race. And that may be a lovely and effective experience for you. Albeit, why would you pay the registration fees for the race, right? Chances are, even if it's a fun race, there's going to be a little bit of apprehension, whether it's languaged as excitement before or whether it's languaged as anxiety or how your brain interprets it, there's going to be something that's felt. And I think when we come to accept this, and when we come to understand that things that are meaningful can be uncomfortable, we can start to engage in self-compassion, right? We can look at things from that evolutionary framework. We can understand why something might feel so uncomfortable for us, and we can be willing to do it anyways. We can be willing to feel the potential embarrassment, shame, the nervousness that comes with trying something new. And I think that this is really interesting in terms of self-esteem, right? Because we, at least those of you who also probably um, grew up in the 80s and maybe some of you have had experiences before or after, at the very least will relate to what I'm saying in terms of self-esteem, this movement to cultivate self-esteem. I have received a lot of thanks for coming out ribbons, very few actual ribbons for races one, but a lot of those like, oh, thanks for coming out. Like everyone deserves to have their self-esteem inflated. And I mean, fortunately, maybe unfortunately, uh, these ribbons did not totally sugarcoat where I came in terms of um, maybe one or zero participants behind me, for instance, in a school race. However, the idea of self-esteem is that we need to value ourselves relative to someone else, okay? So if you are focused on self-esteem, we kind of need to be going, where am I? My self-esteem is high if I am doing better than someone else. Our self-esteem is low if we go, okay, others are doing better than me. So we suddenly start ranking ourselves and ranking others that's really unhelpful because there is no way that we can be at the top for everything, right? That's just not possible. If we're kind of looking at bell curves distributions in terms of various skills we might have, in terms of intelligence, all of our capacities are not going to be in the top. What is more helpful and what has been more associated with mental health is self-compassion, being able to recognize when we're suffering and to recognize that as human. This is something we all experience, right? We all experience the fluctuating emotional states. We all experience sadness, anguish, suffering, grief, right? This is common humanity. Sure. We also experience joy and delight and a sense of calmness, excitement, curiosity. We experience the full spectrum of emotions. And when we can greet ourselves with compassion, when we are struggling, when we are suffering and be compassionate to that difficult emotional state, 
Not only are we more likely to experience positive mental health, but we are more likely to engage in new situations. We're more likely to try something new. So there's been some beautiful research that has established self-compassion is actually predictive of someone's willingness to try something new and someone's willingness to try something new again and again to build their skill set up, to put them in a new arena, builds their confidence in that one arena, but also essentially your confidence to try something new and be uncomfortable, which I think is interesting, right? So almost the more we can put ourselves into a situation where we fail, the more willing we are to fail because we have the confidence that we're going to be able to get through it. If we try and live our life in such a way that we never do anything we're not confident that we can absolutely do, that we can absolutely succeed in, our world's gonna be pretty small because it would take a lot longer to grow, to kind of move outside of our growth zone into something new, into something exciting. And I wonder if that is the life you wanna lead, right? Like, does that feel like purpose? Does that feel meaningful for you? Or would you be willing to experience some emotional discomfort to move towards something meaningful, something purposeful. And I had this like recently as well, you know, through the course of COVID. So while I wasn't doing public speaking, I decided that it would be a really um, beautiful opportunity to integrate the two areas that I'm most passionate about, psychology and yoga. And I cultivated uh, the Yoga Brain 101 course, which is a course designed to support individuals through burnout, you know, through the symptoms of anxiety, of stress, depression, alongside building skills that support thriving, you know, acceptance and commitment therapy, which it's based on, is a framework that's not just used therapeutically, but it's used for coaching as well. So not just survival, but thriving. And to do this, I was going to tell people about it, um, as well as teach some other skills in a online masterclass where I went through some of the myths that get in the way of people practicing yoga, some of these myths that hold us back and that are unfortunately common rhetoric. And my first, my first uh, masterclass, perhaps not having advertised it well, not knowing how to advertise it, being new to this space of the online world and marketing and the like, um, I had my my sister and my partner um, attending. <laughs> there was no one. There was no one who attended it, and I did it all. I really like. I definitely felt the tears welling partway through and finished it, and you know had a, had a moment after where I did feel like pretty deflated. And I had to then, well, I didn't have to, I chose, I chose to step back and go, why am I doing this? You know, what is the intention? And the intention is to teach people these skills. I need to practice, number one, delivering these skills in an effective way. I also need to practice how I ensure that these trainings reach the right people. So there was feedback from my environment that what I had done in terms of like marketing, letting people know maybe hadn't worked and that I had in fact gone through the presentation and I could get feedback on how that went and how I could refine to make it more effective, more useful. I was willing to have some tears over that and to try again, I could have quit, right? Like I could have stopped there and decided, oh, can't be bothered, too hard, too painful. But that's not the life I wanna lead, you know? I know that these skills, in fact, the yoga and psychology skills I'm referencing, have supported me to cultivate the flexibility, the self-compassion, the willingness to do things that are uncomfortable in the service of things that are important. I am confident that I can get through hard things. So I wonder, you know, can you, as they say, feel the fear and do it anyway? Can you be compassionate to yourself along the way? 
at no point do you have to disconnect from your emotional state. I think it's really important that we name our emotional states. That's part of self-compassion as well as self-awareness. Name it to tame it. As we name it, while our intention might not be to change how we're feeling, very often in naming something and identifying something, it shifts the experience. So take care of yourself. Cultivate compassion. Self-esteem, beautiful when it's here. Let's not make that our intention. Let's not make confidence our intention. Let's let purpose and meaning be our driver and let's be willing to experience these challenging emotions so that you can look back in 80 years and say, yeah, yeah, that was the life that I could lead. I made connection with the people I wanted to, the people that I love and care about. I did things that served, that inspired others, that helped me grow. I want you to look back and feel really delighted in this life that you've led. Take a moment now, perhaps write down a little bit of action that you could take over the next 24, 48 hours. And from there, feel the fear, do it anyways. And I will look forward to connecting with you next week on Wisdom for Wellbeing. For the show notes, head to drcaitlin.com. So if you head to drcaitlin.com, you can get more information on Yoga Brain, if that sounds interesting to you, and the free Yoga Myths busting masterclasses that I will be holding. So I would love to have you along if you're interested, and I will be looking forward to connecting next week. All right, bye for now. Thanks for joining us this week on the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast. Please visit drcaitlin.com to connect, find show notes, other episodes, and to subscribe. While you're at it, if you find value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating or perhaps simply tell a friend about the show. Wisdom for Wellbeing is not a substitute for professional, individualized mental health treatment. If you are in crisis, please contact 000, your local emergency number if you are outside of Australia, or attend your local hospital ED.